Hey everyone, this is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And together we are the, the Bottle, Bottle Blondes. Blondes. This is the Unstuffy Wine Podcast for funny people. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, and more. Please download an episode and leave us a review. And you can also follow us on social media at our Instagram, at Bottle Blondes Wine. We'll have pictures of the wine we drink for the podcast and our other adventures in wine. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye. Bottle Blondes episode 21. Wow, here we are in the uh, end stage of, of summer, that sounded like. <laughs> stage of feels like that. It feels like everybody's like battening the hatches, closing shit down, hunkering down, and it's like just the end of August. But it feels like fallout. I think it's it? because the mornings have been uh, very cool and, you know, we've just been so used to sweating to death in 100 degree heat but oh like, god it's been trash just like a nice change like oh today's only gonna be 74 lovely yeah <laughs> i'm sure that all of the producers out in oregon and washington right now are appreciating this this cooler weather yeah it'll be interesting to see um since it got so hot at the yeah. end of june like what that maybe did to like the grapes, but then you know, we got some rain in August, yeah. which was a good thing. Speaking of rain, speaking of rain, oh, good segue. Good segue. <laughs> thank you, thank you. We are going to be uh, talking about a region today that also gets um, a lot of rain and has a pretty like similar vibe to our fair Pacific Northwest. And um, it is uh, Green Spain, also kind of known as Northwest Spain, yeah. Uh, northwest, a little bit of north central, it's basically super lush and green there. Uh, apparently their average rainfall goes between 45 and 65 inches of rain a year, and that is compared to an average of 43 in Portland. So oh, wow. Crazy amounts of rain there. And also similar in the fact that, um, you know, it's really only raining in winter when the vines are dormant, similar to here, right. so it's not like they're getting, you know, drenched at mm -hmm. inappropriate times. You know, I only like to get drenched at appropriate times. You know, like a shower or an intentional pool swim. <laughs> or like a flume ride. Yeah, a what ride? Like a log flume. What the fuck is a flume? Like a log ride? Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't know, I've always heard it called a flume. Log I'm gonna, flume? I'm gonna look into that. <laughs> a log ride. A log ride, yeah, love it. <laughs> um, so basically, we are going to be talking about this lovely area and its uh, four main providences and the uh, kind of uh, regions within those. So um, the first big puppy, <laughs> I don't know why I said big puppy. Big puppy. Big puppy. puppy. <laughs> uh, Galicia. And then there's also uh, Asterias and Cantabria and Vasco. So those are the four providences, but today we're only going to be focusing mostly on Galicia and Vasco, which is commonly known as the Basque Country. Um, Galicia gets its name from <laughs> a bunch of Celtic inhabitants called the Galaisi, I'm going to guess, um, who lived basically north of the Duero River, which uh, runs through a uh, part of northern Spain. They inhabited that area uh, in the last millennium BC, which I, <laughs> I was like, wait, in BC or what, what is the last millennium BC? And apparently it's a common term for a thousand BC to one BC. I didn't know that. 
I think everybody else knew that. <laughs> I, I think the BCAC system is not BCACDC <laughs> Because the BC is almost like we're inverted numbers, and I think right. we forget that. Like, yes. the further back yeah. we go means it's old, older. I don't even It's, yeah. Anyways, they lived there basically 1000 BC one so for a thousand years, and then it was incorporated into the Roman Empire during 19 BC and eventually turned into a Roman province in 3 AD. And I took a little side detour to look into the history of Galicia and it's really complicated and political. Um, like apparently it's been like a very independent state at, at different times of history. And it's kind of like their identity to be like self-ruling and to be, be like an individual like democratic society. Um, but after the Franco dictatorship in Spain, which I know very little about, about uh, Spanish politics, Basically, it caused like a butt ton of economic underdevelopment and like a bunch of that area is kind of like super right wing and they've been trying to like dig back out of that for mm. a long time. So in 1981, the region passed a statute of autonomy and it, it's kind of been somewhat self-governed by a democratic government, but it's also governed by the Spanish parliament and it's confusing. I couldn't understand it. Best way I could describe it is like Scotland. <laughs> Okay. Which is like trying to be independent, but not quite there yet. Because um, there's a bunch of people there, so like, well, there's yeah. no advantages to being a part of this system. Yeah. Versus like, look at all the shit we're going to have to do if we do become independent. Exactly. And. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah so the, the main point is that independence is very, you know, like independence and self-governance and the identity of the, the Gal Galicians is very important to the culture. Um, and that was kind of a little bit of a butchered history, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, I was also reading that there's some uh, Celtic uh, origins coming from mm -hmm. there, and I'm wondering if that's its, you know, kind of proximity to uh, Ireland. Uh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. In that way, so it's yeah, the language that they speak there is called Galician, <laughs> and it's like a mixture of Spanish and Portuguese, with kind of like a weird. Celtic vibe. I don't know. If you've ever like looked at that language, it's very it's crazy. Like, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> Clear to say we did not major in Galician. <laughs> but all of the places in this region are really fun to say, so we're going to try our best. Um, so, so Galicia has five uh, designated areas of origin or subzones. Um, the first one, and the one we're going to talk the most about in this first half, is the Rias Baixas, which is probably the most famous. If you go look up Rias Baixas online, um, and it is spelled R-I-A-S-B-A-I-X-A-S, if you go online and look it up, um, their branding is like off the hook. Like they are really, they're really well set up online, like that whole, whole website. Um, and they're, it takes its name from the Galician Rias, which are sharp fjord-like uh, estuaries yes. at, the, at the southern part of, or that slice basically into the Baixas, which is the southern part of Galicia, and any excuse to say fjord, that <laughs> um, quotes from Wine Bible, and also it sounds so beautiful, it's like, you know, it's on the Atlantic coast, it, it has eucalyptus forests that cover the hills, and like wild roses grow out of the walls, kind of get like a seal song up in here. <laughs> and um, 
The area of Rio Spacious is known for, and a lot of this northern region of Spain, is known for white wine production. Um, and this is a fact that I, I found in Hallie's excellent notes when she took a class on green Spain. 99% of its wines are white. And there's only 1% of it's, yeah, it's massive, massive white wine. Massive trip. white wines. Um, and you know, uh, the big, the big one here is Albarino, and then the um, other uh, blending grapes that are sometimes used in Albarino are, here we go, <laughs> Laurea, and oh god, Chacadora or Trex. Oh, that's the thing. There's going to be like a lot Trechadura? of Trechadura? Maybe I'm going to go yeah. with that. There's a lot of um, X's. There's a lot of X's. <laughs> In a lot sometimes of... they're a sha, sometimes they're a cha. So um, those are typically blended into Albarino to maybe give a more like racy Albarino some more um, body or uh, not floral texture. Mm -hmm. Just uh, more diverse notes. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. So there's it within the Rio Spacious. There's like another five subzones. So it's like Galicia has five. Five subzones, and then Rio Spacious has five subzones. Oh, so okay, cool, like, cool. You know, a uh, nice little like five and five and five. Um, the Riviera do Ula, the Val do Salmis, which is along the Atlantic and it's the original subregion of the Rio Spacious, and it's considered the birthplace and like basically the pinnacle of Albarino production. There's the Sotomayor, uh, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, okay, <laughs> like our sweet spring porch. Exactly. Uh, the Condado do Te, named after the Te, which is a tributary of the Mino River, um, which is basically, where, so it's very southern. It separates the southernmost part of the Rio Spacious from Portugal. And then there's the O Rosal. So those are the five subzones. You know, it's, it's kind of at the base of the Pyrenees Mountains. That's more the Pais Vasco that you're going to get into, but... It's just kind of important to keep in mind um, in terms of weather. It's like all of France kind of gets a break. The southern part of France gets a break uh, or rain shadow, as Hallie loves a good rain shadow. Mm, I do. <laughs> um, from all of the weather that comes in by the Pyrenees Mountains. So you can imagine a lot of the, the wet weather collects kind of the base of those mountains on, on the Spanish side. God, it's gorgeous out there. It's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. There's lots of seafood, delicious seafood, even though um, octopus is somewhat controversial to eat. There's a lot of octopus dishes. It's, there's Basque cheesecake. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Anyways, um, the thing to drink with all of these delicious dishes is, like we said, Alvarino. Yes, excellent segue. Much better than mine. I'm like, wait, am I already talking about this grape? <laughs> So yeah, the, um, as for its origin, I found kind of conflicting information. I'm curious mm. as to what you have. So the Wine Bible said that the DNA typing linked its birthplace to Portugal, but the Riospacious website says that it's native to the region. So I don't know who's right there, but either way, it appeared at some point during the 12th century in Galicia, and it was grown via some... Uh, Cistercian monks, thank you, monks. Mm, once again, monks coming in for the, the wine save. Not. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually so famous that wines produced from that varietal um, in the Rio Spacious are called Albarino. They're not called Rio Spacious like most of the other wines, you know, in Europe are usually called by the region or the village or you know, some sort of location identifier. Yeah, I think I definitely see like a mix uh, mm -hmm. on the shelves. I but definitely Rio Spacious is pretty like major on the label, but so is, you know, Al Albarino mm -hmm. as well. So, um, 
Yeah, Al Mourinho has a uh, delicious thick skin, <laughs> which is really good because it helps prevent against um, you know, mold and mildew and fungal diseases, which are abundant in this region because of all of the moisture. Um, and something really interesting about it is that they grow it on these really cool trellises in the area, and those are called paras. Basically a bunch of support wires that hold the vines about eight to 10 feet up in the air, and people actually pick them from below with step ladders. So it's like this beautiful canopy of vines, and it helps promote all the airflow, and you know, they hang down really beautifully. It's super cool. Um, but your arms would get tired. Oh my god, I, that's all I could think about when I saw pictures of these poor people. I was like holding up there. But below, I was like, that looks like murder. I don't know what would be worse because, you know, when you're picking grapes from like a trellis system, you're kneeling. You're so kneeling. So there's really just no... There's no winning. There's no winning, there's no winning on handpicking, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it has a lot of like juicy kind of citrus, sometimes stone fruit, like a lot of nectarine um, and saline characteristics. And for a long time, it was made into super crappy wine uh, for the local fishermen until uh, something that's really cool that you noted as well is that uh, the use of modern winemaking practices in the Galicia area and in Reyes Spacious really led to like a huge like uplift in quality in the 1980s and 90s. And actually, Reyes Spacious uh, was, uh, became a, a DO in 88. So yeah, in the 80s, that's when we started getting uh, new technology, the mm -hmm. uh, stainless steel tanks, temperature controlled, mm -hmm. um, that really just led to that improved quality. Uh, yeah, practices such as racking to take the uh, wine off of its sediment um, and, and filter it essentially. And yeah, um, it became really just like a, a launching pad for Albarino to be kind of this prized grape and prized wine. And actually, it's, you know, nowadays it's, um, from this area, it's still pretty highly prized. It's not crazy expensive, but like I feel like entry level is kind of like 20 bucks. So it's not exactly super budget friendly. It's, yeah. It's pretty high quality stuff. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely the star uh, still mm -hmm. white wine because there is a lot of like white wine coming out of Spain, but a lot of it is in the form of cava. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, Spain gets more notoriety from its cherries and red grapes. So yeah, this totally. is just like a really special place that only focuses mace. Maisley, only Swan grape. As I mentioned, <laughs> it, acid is really, really, you know, prevalent or like uh, prominent in the in the profile of this grape, and it's also really highly prized. So there's usually no malolactic fermentation going on with these wines. Um, sometimes they'll experiment with a little bit of partial mellow, and then often um, the Alvarinos are kept on their leaves to add body and texture, but they don't age in oak, like you said. It's stainless steel um yeah there are some I, I was also reading somewhere that um some people are kind of experimenting yes, with albarino in barrels to add some of that texture and body um but you know yeah. the jury's still out we haven't seen a lot of those uh if they are being experimented with and drank it's probably happening just within spain and yeah hasn't <laughs> received those yet so let's get into our first wine which is in case you haven't guessed it yet, an Albarino. Oh, good. I mean, my brain needs to wake up with some alcohol. <laughs> it's like one of our earlier recordings, I feel it like. Is. Yeah. So, this is a... so this is a Gran Bazian uh, Etiquette... Oh, goodness. <laughs> Etiquette Verde Albarino 2019. 
It's 13% alcohol. It uh, comes in this really cool fluted thin bottle. 13%? Oh, that's kind of seems well on the higher side. I, th ABV I for think a while. that yeah. Albarino typically is kind of a medium bodied grape, mm -hmm. um, even though it does have such an acidic um, profile. And I think, I think yeah, the um, alcohol typically is kind of medium in an Albarino as well. It's really nice. Um, apparently, the, this producer is kind of like a leading producer of Albarino. Um, when I was tasting it, I got like some, or smelling it, it was got a lot of like melon musk. Last night, I swear to God, it smelled like corn. Oh, like, like sweet, sweet corn. corn. It's sweet corn and like a little bit of beeswax. I got a lot of like tropical. It smelled very tropical to me off the bat, like um, pineapple rind, a little kiwi. Oh, yeah, I'm getting the pineapple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's also like kind of a small like flinty texture, but mm -hmm. yeah, typically for me, a lot of Albarinos uh, are more like citrusy acid and mm -hmm. smelling this, yeah, we're more on like tropical fruit, stone fruit kind of. There's also like maybe even, kind of has a vanilla, it's got like a, a nutty vibe for sure. Like when I tasted it, I got some kumquat and I got some pistachio. And even though I don't really, I'm allergic to pistachio, I know what they taste like. And it kind of has that like green nut vibe. It's really good. It has its super bright acidity at the end that just like lifts everything up. I like it oh, a lot. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a clean mm -hmm. uh, acidity. Some acid is like, tries to take your taste buds to the punching bag. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a cool sentence I just said. <laughs> But <clears throat> take your breath away. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I really want this with ceviche. I just I feel like I say ceviche a lot as a pairing for white wine, but it's true. It's just so perfect. Mm. Uh, to talk a little bit more about that producer, so Grand Bazan, yeah, Grand Bazan is a um, leading producer of Albarino. They're located in the coastal subregion of Val de Salmas, and they're kind of like an OG in that pioneering quality for the area. They founded in 1981 and they invested basically in the 80s in like a bunch of modern winemaking techniques, like stainless steel. They trained a bunch of enologists. They were kind of one of the first people in the area to use cool fermentation. And those their grapes are grown on those um, patas, uh, those trellises um, on granite and alluvial topsoil. So these are 35-year-old vines, probably why we're getting some of that like really deep rich flavor yeah. and um, the grapes are hand-picked and aged on leaves for three months in stainless steel. Yeah maybe that's why I'm getting some more of the ripe like that yeah. pineapple tropical stuff is not necessarily well leaves is more of like you get bready textures but what I'm saying is like leaves can add body so mm -hmm. it's just lending leaves is allowing those flavors of the tropical fruits to be a little bit more prevalent. Leaves is lending a lovely <laughs> We're, we're really on a tongue twister uh, really kick lately. <laughs> Lee's lending loving likeness to <laughs> a lovely. Oh, goodness. Galicia. <laughs> That's more of a G. Well, you know, we can just do a hard L yeah. not to get the rhyme to go through. So good. So, yeah, so good. Very enjoyable. Um, and that is a little look at the Rio Spacious and its premier grape, Albarino. Uh, and then we're gonna talk about just briefly, we're not gonna, you know, like I said, go 
deep into all of these uh, subzones of Galicia. Um, but just to touch on um, your your Godeo is from Valderos, correct? Correct. Okay, so we'll just touch really quickly on these other two. So the um, next uh, subzone here is the Ribeiro, or the Land of Three Rivers. <laughs> and those three rivers are the Mino, the Avia, and the Arnoa. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. And this place is actually known for its white friends, uh, white blends. <laughs> white Brenda's? White Brenda's. It's known, <laughs> it's known for its white Brenda's. My mom's a white Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to white Brenda's. Uh, uh, known for its white blends of Loreira, the, the other Trex thing that I could not pronounce, and uh, Godeo. Trechador is actually the signature grape here, um, and it's kind of uh, compared to Gruner Beltlinger. Uh, I'm just gonna... Uh, Shortened to Trex is an herbal Great. and citrus with um, pear and floral notes, and it's normally pretty high in acid. Uh, it is usually blended at, it is usually blended like we mentioned in Ray Spacious, but um, it's really an up and comer here as the uh, single varietal. So that's that place. Mm -hmm. And um, then next we have the Riviera Sacra, which is known as the Sacred Riverbank sounds really mysterious like you do some sacrificial shit there um, <laughs> it is a very religious area <laughs> Ooh, so cool. that makes that makes sense a lot of uh, roman catholicism <laughs> so this area boasts uh steep slopes and slate soils i'm literally reading your notes that you created the other day the slopes are so steep that it's actually considered heroic viticulture yes i love heroic viticulture i mean i'm sure the people that don't, are doing it don't love it because it's kind of uh, risque <laughs> totally it's um yeah you literally have to risk your life to harvest the grapes and um, like you said it's a very religious area this also has its own five subzones oh lord <laughs> there's the five subzones again and um it actually this is the one place in galicia or galicia that grows mostly red uh so it's 95 94 percent and a majority of it is uh, Mencia or Menthea. Mmm, Menthea. <laughs> so good. I know. I was cut, and that was the one thing I was like, man, should I we squeeze it. in a Mencia? But yeah. Menthea? I didn't have one on me. I usually make it a point to at least always have one because I just love the flavor profile. It's like, like very red fruit and herbs, and it's super easy drinking. It just pairs wonderfully with food. It's like a like a lighter bodied. I think you said cab franc, and I think that was a great descriptor. Like yeah, a lighter body it's they're harder to find. Um, there's typically you know there's always one generic one mm -hmm. at Fred Meyer. I feel like, but I just don't see them that often. So if you find one, drink it. Drink it. <laughs> And then uh, we're in the, our next region that we're going to cover within Galicia. Yes, the Galicia. Uh, the Val... 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 Valdeoras? I'm going to say Valdeoras. Valdeoras. Um, the Valdeoras is known as the Valley of Gold, and it's known for Godeo, the, the white grape that you mentioned earlier, and then Mencia, the, the red grape that we just talked about. So production is about almost 50-50. It's 55% white, 45% red. And it may have been actually the very first wine growing region in Galicia. And apparently the Romans used to mine this area for gold, which is why it's called the Valley of Gold. And after they were done, they planted a bunch of vines and you know, the Middle Ages came along and then monks <laughs> and, then, and they took over the vineyards and, <laughs> and used their godly hands driven by God to procure. 
<laughs> to bring us the wines of this day that perpetuate on and on. <laughs> Beautiful vineyards. Um, the entire DO only has about 45 wineries I saw in your notes. Yeah. That's cool. It's really small. Yeah, it's, you know, small, sometimes, you know, you get higher quality and, um, you know, Godeo and Mencia are grapes that can just thrive under the right hand of God. Of God. There's a river that runs through it called the, the Seal. <laughs> like seal, seal? like or the singer? S I L seal. Yeah, seal. Yeah, seal. <laughs> uh, vineyards are basically planted along the banks of the valley floor, which, as you might have guessed, has alluvial soils, which are very similar to a lot of the soils that you find in like the Loire or Germany. Um, they're kind of like a rocky combination of granite and slate and schist, and the combo of soils there is called pizzata. Ah, pizzata. <laughs> <laughs> but today we're going to focus on Godeo, which originated here, um, but really only took off after some experimentation to bring it back in the 70s. It's You don't see it a lot um, on the shelves in the States, honestly. this was I somehow had this on my shelf um, through like a weird mix pack I think I bought from you. Oh yeah, I have that yeah. one. That one's real good. And um, it has typically medium plus acidity with a round texture and mouthfeel, um, notes of ripe apple, herb, stone fruit. Uh, wine places, the best examples, offer a little bit of smoky minerality. And it can do stainless, but it can also handle oak really well. I think you compared it to Chardonnay. Yeah, just in its ability to take on uh, a lot of different flavor profiles depending on, you know, care in the vineyard and what the, you know, vinter decides to do in the cellar. Mm -hmm. So, um, can really play around with this grape. Pretty versatile, um, but yeah, not nearly as prevalent as Chardonnay, but I think it's got, um, it's really got its own thing going on. It's, um, I think some like Chardonnays that aren't treated to lees or uh, oak aging can be pretty damn acidic. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've had an oak Godeo that wasn't nearly as acidic as the Chardonnay, but nice. it's really nice balanced um, acid coming in That's on awesome. a Godeo. And then, God, yeah, don't think it does. <laughs> uh, should we try it? Or is, do we have anything else to say about the Valley of Gold? <laughs> um, let's try it. This is where I mentioned earlier that our tasting is going to have an unexpected turn. Oh, boy. Because <gasps> this one oh, no. has cork teat. What? Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about wine faults. <laughs> wow, look at that crazy I'm sidebar. I'm 90%. Yeah. Mm -mm. Let me smell that bottle before you pour it. <laughs> I'm just going to oh, get a tiny whoa. bit. Just a tiny bit to smell and like, you know, taste and spit out. Oh my god, that smells like... But like, look at the end of this cork. It looks moldy almost. Yeah. That's why people smell the corks, yo, mm -hmm. and look at the corks to see if there's anything. I was smelling it and I was like, all I'm getting is like a muted apple and it smells a little sour and I tasted it and I was like, this tastes like white newspaper. Oh no. Yeah, it's a bummer. I was so excited to taste a Godeo. I was so excited that I had this on my shelf. Um, you know, just to talk a little bit about this producer, uh, Lavieras do Gil. They take their name from the hillsides of the Seal River, and the current winemakers have been there since 2002, and they 
tr they grow all of their grapes on bush trained vines and they use only native yeast to produce organic wines. Um, this was aged in stainless steel for four months, but we can't taste it. Oh, God. It's bad. Why? I know. So, anyways, a little bit about cork taste. Mm. Please do. Cork taint is a, considered a wine fault. Uh, if you encounter it, you know, there's varying degrees of it. Sometimes you just, you're just gonna taste a wine and it's gonna taste really muted um, and not taste bad. Sometimes it's gonna taste really, really bad. And it's basically formed when tree bark comes into uh, contact with a group of fungicides or insecticides. And, um, and a lot of producers use tree bark because that's obviously what's in corks. Um, so unfortunately, those producers don't always know if their corks are going to be contaminated that they bought, which I'm guessing is the case here since this is an organic winery. Um, and, and it basically it mutes the flavor of wine and in high quantities, gives off a really musty aroma, which we're getting here. And it's if you smell or you taste kind of like a dampness, like damp cardboard or newspaper or like basement smell that's usually an indicator of this one i got like real nasty damp cardboard like when i put my nose to the bottle it smelled like sweaty foot yeah that too funky. it was not and then in the glass it was a little harder to pick up on but i still got some of that dampness and then yeah in on the palate Blech. it's just like it's heavy it's like heavy. the acid is all out of whack yeah and it's it's kind of almost like fortified tasting without any of the lovely things that I you would know. get from a wine. It's such a shame because I was like, okay, this is supposed to taste like beautiful, like grapefruit <laughs> flavors and apple and lots of smoky minerality. And I was like, I kept, I thought I was going crazy because I kept tasting it late last night after like you and I had already had two drinks. <laughs> so I was like, no, this must just be me. <laughs> No. Well, that's that was Just your taste buds. I do like that unexpected turn. Yeah. Because, yeah. We don't. It it can happen. I mean, that is why psalms at fancy dinners let you look and smell, look and smell at the wine. Look and smelling at you. I'm smelling at you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> to um, to just make sure that it's not it's not a bad bottle. Yeah. Um. Well. Is that crazy? That's crazy. Um, and then there is, anyway, so there is one, like, final, uh, you know, Dio of Galicia, but we're, <laughs> I have no information on it other than it's called Monterrey. 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 Very small, I'm guessing, just very small production there. Um, but we had a lot to go through, so, sorry Monterrey, maybe another time. Maybe another time. Um, alright, just real quickly, we're just gonna touch on, uh, one of the other, uh, providences here that are making wine called... Astraeus. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I feel like that sounded good. And that's more of an up-and-coming area. Uh, so right now it only has about 10 wineries. Um, similar to the whole region as a whole. Cool redundant statement, Hallie. The area is cool <laughs> and damp, um, but it has a lot of the protection from the mountains. So um, this area is actually more well-known for uh, cider due to the amount of apple orchards oh. that are there. Um, and it's mostly considered a red wine region. Uh, and the main red that's grown here is called Alparantinto, which in Portugal is known as Alfrochero, uh, and another red called Verdejo Negro, uh, also known as Trousseau. Um, but its flagship red is something called Carasquin. And I'm sure that we will never set eyes on any of these grapes in the United States, so you will have to go to Asteris to <laughs> get them. <laughs> Um, 
Field trip. Really expensive field trip. Uh, all right, and now it's time for um, Basque Country, also yeah. known as Paya Vascos. So this area uh, also struggle, struggles, <laughs> struggles and straggles and straddles. I swear I can read you guys, I swear. <laughs> it straddles parts of Rioja and Navarra and a little bit of southwest France, which yeah. is connected uh, up there. Right, and uh, as we discussed via the Pyrenees Mountains. <laughs> the majestic Pyrenees Mountains. Is that where those cats came from? Pyrenees? Oh, nope, maybe. that's a dog. Oh, the Great Pyrenees. Yeah, it's a dog. That's okay. a big, fluffy white dog. <laughs> what am I thinking the cat is called that begins with a B? Persian. Persian. Never mind. Persian we're not talking cat. about dogs and cats. We're talking about wine, Hallie. <laughs> I think we should do an episode, Side Tangent, where we match different wines to different dogs and cat breeds. <gasps> <sighs> You're so fucking smart. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We'll just ping pong back and forth. Hallie. Yeah. Dog breed. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. I love it. Um, so, uh, Paya Vascos is known for the main towns of San Sebastian, I don't want to go to there, in Bilbao? Bilbao? Yes. Yeah, sure. Sure. And within, uh, Paya Vascos, there's three main provinces, Al Alava, the Biscay, and, oh boy, here we go, I should have looked up how to say this, uh, Gipuzkoa, which is where the main, um, Dio is, which we're going to talk about. So you guys, you guys, this region, this, this, well, the, the yeah, the providence that has the Dio. The province. Yeah. Kipuskoa. Kipuskoa. This is where, this, I mean, really all of these provinces, we are going to be talking about Chocoli or Chocolina. Yeah. And, um, you know, it sounds like C-H, but it's actually spelled T-X-A-K-O-L-I. And this is kind of uh, Spain's version of Vino Verde. So white chocolate is made from the Honduribi Zori. Zori means white in the Basque language. Cool. And Bonarabi Belza, uh, which is the red rosé. And Belza actually means black in Basque. Okay. But the grapes are not, in fact, black. Okay. Um, so both of these uh, grapes are known to have very uh, small, tight little bunches of fruit. They're very high in acid and very low in sugar, which means that alcohol is normally pretty low on these wines, like talking about 11%. Um, and the name chocolate comes from the Arabic chocolate, which means thinness. So these wines are um, very racing acidity, and lightly fizzy, uh, very uh, crunchy uh, rosé versions, uh, and they're very light-bodied. Uh, they're very dry, and they are poured uh, in a way called breaking. Yeah. Uh, so you pour it into your glass from several feet high, and what this does is it gets uh, oxygen into the wine very quickly and helps kind of like let those flavors pop quicker, mm -hmm. and it also puts a nice uh, fizzy head on your wine, similar to like a, you know, a German beer. Yeah, a <laughs> <Lager> beer. A <laughs> lager beer. Yes. <laughs> These are so good. These are like quintessential like summer wines. Yeah, party wines, summer wines. And they are obviously, as we touched on earlier, this is a huge seafood area. So the combination of a chocolate and anything fish is just going to be mwah, delicious. Something I read about in Basque Country um, regarding food is that 
they have their little, basically their equivalent of tapas, which are called, I think, pinchtos or pinch, pinchtos? I don't know. Uh, P-I-N-X-T-O-S. And they're little bites that you, you know, spear with a toothpick. And then in cafes, they count up the different, like the amount of toothpicks you have at the end to charge you. Yes. I was, uh, when I was in London, I went to a place that was Whoa, like that. Uh, it's just, it's, it's like the world's most delicious, fancy looking. I mean, I, to call it a buffet is a tragedy, but it's set, set up in a similar fashion. But yeah, you just pick it up and then yeah, the toothpicks are kind of like a sushi around, like the toothpicks were different colors to indicate like the price on what the because uh, some tapas, like a sushi go around yeah some tapas are fancier than other tapas yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway there are uh, three uh, dios in the Paya Vascos so we have or excuse me three dios within the uh, province of the G word that I'm not gonna say wait wait we're gonna do it again <laughs> we're gonna do it again Gipuscoa 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 uh, that one. Yeah, that one. So these are the three DOs within that province, and I'm never going to say it again. <laughs> uh, so the first and the main one, the, the big papa that you're going to see, especially in the United States, is the Gitaraco Chocolina. And uh, both of the wines that I have are from here. I have two different uh, wines today. Uh, but first, a little bit more about this area. It's located around the towns of Jataria and Zaruts. Uh, these are small fishing towns on the coast of the Bay of Biscay. Um, there are about 433 hectares of vineyards here. 90% uh, of this area is on the coast and um, that's where most of the vineyards are is coming off the coast. Cool. It is mainly, um, <clears throat> and yeah, let's see. I might Beautiful coastline. Oh yeah, so after harvesting and pressing, the must is left to ferment in stainless steel tanks. There's no oak here. There's no leaves. Cool. Uh, so the wine is not racked, so it does not lose its sparkle, and it's clarified by natural sedimentation by gravity in the tank or barrel. That makes sense. There we go. Okay, well, let's uh, get into two of the wines from here. Yay. So we, I love these wines. Yes, we will do the, the white first. Uh, so the white is uh, from that one town called Zaruts. Zaruts are in the ground. <laughs> and this is, so this is just going to be a, a Hana Rob. Hundurabi Zuri. There's a lot of consonants going on, y'all. I want to tell you that I wish I, I wish I could tell you more about this producer, but the Google was not translating it into English. So all I saw was something about 1953. That's and probably when it probably lots and lots of consonants again. <laughs> uh, so just enjoy. Just take this in. Let me know what your thoughts. I didn't taste these beforehand because I was trying to preserve the the, physit the physicality. <laughs> Mm. Oh, it's just like a nice, clean lemon lime and like, yeah. you know, like sea salt. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It doesn't need, these are not fussy wines. They don't need a bunch of, that's the whole point. You just want something that's kind of just light, minimal, so good. Mm. It feels just like kind of... It disperses nicely on your tongue. It's not super fizzy. Oh, that's very nice. Very, it's super refreshing. Yeah, it's kind of hard to almost get anything other than, yeah, lemon, lime, that salinity. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I Maybe a little bit of, like, crushed seashell or something like that. Not that I've, like, ever 
put a lot of crushed seashells in my mouth. You ever just like, you know, put that in your mortar and pestle <laughs> and made a nice fine powder and put it on your tongue? <laughs> you know, sometimes you get that like broken oyster shell in your mouth. Like, oh, yeah, when you're doing, yeah, when you're doing oysters. That's, that's a good call. Good call. So yes, this is the uh, white Hangurabi Azori. Mm. All right. The next one we're going to try is the Onderabi Belza. And this is typically made as a rosé style. And the producer on this one is somebody called Reza Ball. And it <laughs> is a 2020. And oh boy, the website on this one. I was telling Adrian before, like, I don't know if it was in Basque and Google Translate just didn't do a good translation. But this is the website's notes on this line. Fun. <clears throat> Female. Musical. Captivating. I was like, okay, they've genderized this wine. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is very pretty. <laughs> Silky, captivating on the palate, the balanced and female body. <laughs> Color, shiny bright pink. Shiny bright pink. I, it's like very ballet slipper colored. It's, it's beautiful, it's beautifully colored. Um, the aromas, are you ready for this? The aroma is just vivid, captivating. <laughs> Fresh wild strawberries. The only actual. Are they like best friends with Miraval? I like... know. Dude, the website was very Miraval vibes. I was like. I'm getting crazy herbs. Yeah, this to me has, I mean, I actually kind of prefer a, a rosé chocolate to a white uh, chocolate just because there are a lot more like complex flavors going mm -hmm. on. To me, the takeaways are always, uh, yes, strawberry, rhubarb, and then crushed gravel. Ooh. Such mm -hmm. a rocky minerality yeah. in the, the Andrabi Belza versus the salinity that's in the Andrabi Zuri. Oh, there's just a beautiful, like, underlying savoriness to it, but it's so fresh and fruity at the same time. This is stellar. Yeah. The, I will mention that the, um, Gitaraiko Chocolina Dio has a really great website, and, um, it kind of has this lovely little map where all the wineries are that you can, like, hover over, and then it takes you, like, directly to that winery's, uh, website. I feel like their tourism, like the winery tourism there is very, um, you know, some people are like, oh, go away, we don't yeah. want you here. It's just, very friendly. It, this, I'm getting a lot of friendly vibes. I'm getting a lot of friendly, come see us. Like, we want you to come here, and we uh, will one day. <laughs> Gladly. Gladly. <laughs> I will come drink this all day and not get too drunk because it's so low. <laughs> yeah. ABV, yay. So, yeah, the, the, the white had an ABV of... 11.5, and then this one's ABV is not listed on the label, but you know. I'm gonna guess around the same, maybe 12. It's probably around. Oh no, it's lower, 10.5. 10.5. Wow. I mean, neither of them. It's, I find that alcohol is one of the hardest things for me to taste. I'm sure it's different for everybody. Unless it's like a super hot, unless it's a super high ABV wine, I have a hard time like tasting that heat. But obviously, there's no heat here. It's just nice, refreshing, um, nice little dog hair that I got stuck on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to Bass Country. I do a very, very bad, very bad as well. I would like to go to the Basque Country. Lively, feminine. <laughs> it has a female body. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I guess this wine's turning me into a lesbian because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is, as I kind of mentioned before, this is the DO that you're going to see the most on the shelves here in the US of A. Um, the other two DOs are uh, ooh, this Kayako Chocolina and Arabaco Chocolina. Um, so are those just, the same um, same grapes? Yes, they're doing um, all the same grapes, just kind of like different histories is what I kind of got the vibe from. Um, and same same deal, just not production, uh, the Renaissance in the 80s, you know, and just the area trying to define itself by its little areas. So I didn't write too much um, about them, but the smaller one is definitely the Arabaco. It just has like 95 hectares, which is pretty low. So, um, yeah, that's kind of green Spain in a, in a little, little nutshell. In a little nutshell. If it was a nutshell, maybe a, a, a bigger nut. A bigger nut. A walnut. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a big walnut or a Brazil nut. Big <laughs> shell. Um, because we wanted to have some time to uh, do a wine tasting, trying to get back into. And also... Yes. Present Hallie with a overdue birthday surprise. Oh, I can't wait! And then of course, uh, ending with the seven things. And the seven things. Well, so let's uh, let's do our mystery wine, yeah? Yeah, let's do our mystery wine. Um, who should go first? I will say that mine is busy. Okay, let's do yours first then. All right. So here we go, Adrian. This is the mystery wine. Get excited. I am excited. <laughs> Very excited. <clears throat> Just a little famous foil wrap job. I mimicked yours today and I felt very proud of myself. Uh, it's the best way to just mister I wonder if it keeps it cold, you know, some people with socks or bags, but if you're doing it with a cold wine, it's yeah. insulated. So this oh. has a similar um, vibe going on to our Chocolinas. But it it's, has a much more floral smell to it's it. It's very floral. Mm, yeah, there's some orange blossom here, mm -hmm. a little white flower, very flowery. Mm. Getting a little bit of like peach. Mm -hmm. Like a white beet. Mm. Donut beet. Oh, but it's very dry. Mm -hmm. But still, yeah, very lovely. Oh god, that's bone dry. Mm. It almost kind of like takes the <laughs> the moisture out of your mouth. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I don't know that. The problem is I don't know a whole lot about the grapes in this area. No, too, true. So if it's like a random native grape, no idea. Yeah, you probably won't. You probably won't. But I wanted to like, you know, stay in that spirit of lightly fizzy wines. Is it a... Uh, is it a chocolate? Is it a chocolate? Like uh, a chocolate? It isn't. I will say. Okay. I will. Re I will represent you. I will represent that this is not from Grain Spain. Okay. It is, it is from Spain. Um, just another part of Spain, where you know a lot of sparkling white might already be happening. Okay. So we're talking about around. You know, where does Cava come from exactly? Pendis. Pendis. What is a mean grape in kava? God damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh. It's okay, we are not Spanish wine scholars. We're not. 
but I remember begins with an M. Oh, then I don't remember. Mondeuse? Mm. No, that's like, is that the? I will say this is actually a blend because okay. um, typically the area Kava is usually a blend. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. It is, do you just want me to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> it made with the info. So this is actually, um, I don't know if this is a made-up wine by this winery, but this is a, a Petalant and... I think I have this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the producer is Avigno, uh, like I mentioned, the name of the wine is Petalant, and the grapes are actually 70% Muscat de Frontignan, and that's Frontignan? where you're, yeah. where you're getting the floral from. Oh, uh, that makes sense. There's so many fucking grapes in the Muscat family, yeah. I'm finding out, like, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, Muscat de Alexandria, the Ottenel, the Frontignan, the bar, 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 bar. Excuse me. Um, and this one does have 20% of one of the main copy grapes, Macabeo. Macabeo! Hey, Macabeo! All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, it was really good. For it. And then um, 10% of a fucking group that begins with X, uh, Zarello? Zarello. Oh! X A R E L. That was what I was trying to think of. Yeah, so it is a mixture of, um, well, not the Muscat part, but Macabeo and the, the Torello, yeah. whatever, are Cava grapes. Right. So yeah, from the Pendus region of Spain, which is just outside Barcelona, and this is actually the traditional kind of summertime coiffure of the Pendus so region. Uh, so the region is uh, Catal Catalonia. Right. Well, Pendus is a sub-region of the main region of Catalonia. I Can think you take the wrapper off and see oh, if it's sure. So this actually, it is, yeah, I thought that too recently. So this brings me to kind of like a second wine term of the week is this V de Aguela. So V-I-D apostrophe A-G-U-L-L-A. I might have said that wrong again. I apologize. And this is the Catalan term for a prickly wine bottled with little natural effervescence retained from the winemaking process. So it's basically like the Catalan version of chocolate. Cool. Yeah. So I thought it'd be I like a fun that. companion piece. Um, and then just, yeah, really fun information, particularly about this wine. It's harvested at night to keep the acid really high um, and the grapes are gently pressed. Uh, and alcoholic fermentation occurs with indigenous yeasts, temperature controlled stainless steel tanks, and then it's cold stabilized before beginning a secondary fermentation in stainless steel tanks with the addition of some native yeast and raw cane sugar. So this is actually, the sugar is added into this oh, chapter capitalization. Capitalization? Is that it? Capitalization. No, that just raises the alcohol level. Oh, my bad. Um, but yeah, just a little cane sugar. So That's cool. Um, it's almost like a combination of like traditional... Um, uh, or like yeah, traditional double fermentation and like me ancestral method. That's cool. Yeah, so really it's paused by by um, temperature. Also on the back it says its name means wine with a pickle. <laughs> wine with a pickle. pickle. I mean, I would eat a deal. A deal. I would eat a deal pickle <laughs> with this wine. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm a big deal. A big deal pickle. <laughs> Are you ready for mystery wine number two? I am. Please help oh, me right. help my language. <laughs> More alcohol. <laughs> so this is um, this is a still white wine um, from another region in 
Spain. It is a Spanish varietal. I'm just going to give you that off the bat, but it is not a blend. Just one, one grape. Um, where are, here we go. Mystery wine. Don't look. I'm not looking. I'm not okay. looking. Mystery wine. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's kind of a nice golden color. Look at that. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I had a really nice nose on this wine. Um, I'm going to go back to my notes, which are, uh, I kind of got like a, a freesia, like a nice floral freesia, some lime zest, crushed gravel. It's mellow. Mm -hmm. It is very mellow and it tastes mellow after you taste it. There's, uh, there's like um, a greenness to it, but it's, there's also a lot of citrus, but it's not super complex. Yeah, there's like a little bit of lime, but also like a little bit of like... It's like a grass. Uh, honeydew rind. Yeah, and yeah. And some herbs, for sure. Almost, I got a lot of pith on the palate and it's almost kind like of, pine. It's kind of like a heavier body bruner. Yeah, totally. It's very green. Very green. You know, when you were presenting me with this still white wine from another region of Spain, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a white Grenache. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I'm tasting it, it doesn't taste very white Grenache-y. Granacha. Granacha, the Spanish way to say it. Wow. What are you? It is from. Do you want some more hints? Is it, is it, a, is it like a sherry? Is it one of the sherry grapes? It's not one of the sherry grapes. It's not Palomino. Like the horse. <laughs> I always think of as a. It's a sketch with Will Ferrell. He talks about a Palomino. He says it in his yeah. very well. A Palomino! <laughs> Is it Anchorman? I don't remember. Anyway, I'm gonna look up some quotes after this. Oh my gosh. What are you? I'm, I don't, I'm probably. This not. might have been something you've never had before. It was nothing that I've ever had before. It's, you know, I had heard of it. Though. It has some Godeo vibes to it, honestly. Ooh. It kind of does. It was a little bit greener than a Godeo. But yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I have no clue. Very, I'm, I'm surprised by it. Yeah, okay. No, just tell me. Just tell you? I okay. Have no idea. It's Verdejo. Oh, bonk. I mean, Idiot. it's not something I think I've had a lot of. I think I knew about it and I've like seen it like referenced yes. a lot before. It's kind of like another easy drinking grape or um, bridal. It's like very food friendly. Damn. Verdeo, and it comes, it does come from the northern part of Spain, so if you picture essentially kind of like in between uh, Galicia and the Pai Vasco, kind of down below, in the middle um, where Lyon is, mm. it comes from that area. So it's the same province that Mencia is originally from, except that Mencia is from the Bierzo Dio, and this one is from um, Rueda. Rueda Dio. And it the the Duero River flows through this. It's basically like a big high flat plain. And so it gets a lot of maritime influences, but it's technically an Atlantic climate. It has super hot summers, very cold winters, alluvial soils. And the primary grape, so you weren't crazy because the primary grape in this region is Palomino. Oh yeah. great. Not yeah. crazy. So this used to be a really big sherry region, and then in the early 1970s, there was this very, this famous, this Freemus. <laughs> I'm Freemus. I'm Freemus. And there's this famous Rioja firm that essentially consulted with a French enologist named Emile Bainald 
Rueda, and they determined that the area had a bunch of potential for white wine, and they grew Verdejo, and they used stainless steel, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it has a lot of green characteristics from almond skin to fennel to grass. I I got some pine on this one, but not like in a gross way. Just kind of piney. Oh, not like that wine from Greece? <laughs> no, not that stuff. Apparently it ages really well, unlike a lot of kind of medium or lighter body kind of green white wines. So this actually can withstand some nice bottle aging and will develop into some nice rich toasted Marcona almond flavors. Yeah, now that you're, yeah, I'm definitely getting some of the raw almondy, almond skinny mm -hmm. vibes from here. It's really interesting. I feel like I've had Verdejo before, and it hasn't had, this has more, I don't know, it just has a lot of depth. It does, it has a really though. nice um, weight kind of in the, the mid palate, which sounds like the most obnoxious thing I've ever said, but it does, it, it has a nice body. And this is apparently like a super famous winery. Uh, boop, boop, beep, boop. Martin Sancho. Martin Sancho. <laughs> This, this originally, so this is, Martin Sancho is a vineyard and, or used to be a vineyard, and it was originally a 17th century vineyard that used to just be half an acre of vines, and then the, the winemaker that makes this wine currently came in, grafted a bunch of um, vines from that vineyard onto 25 acres of his best vineyards, and that's where the wine is from. So this is like a super historic background, which is super cool. And the soil is super resilient to insects and bacteria, so the Rueda Dio is like very phylloxera resistant. Cool. Yeah. Rueda. Rueda Verdejo. Oh God, oh, we butchered so much again. Just sorry, Spain. Sorry, Spain. Like we can look things up all day long and Google Translate, and I promise we do sometimes, but it doesn't stick in your head when you're looking at all these syllables. <laughs> yeah, we're doing our we're doing our, our best, and it's a, a genuine attempt at pronunciation. And we hope that you're having a little bit of fun. Speaking of a little bit of fun. Oh, good segue. Uh, let's end with a big surprise. I want you to close your eyes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my Make god. Sure you close your eyes. Yes, my eyes are closed. Okay. <laughs> this is good. It's like second birthday, which I absolutely need since my actual birthday could have been oh. a little bit better. Let's fix that. Let's with. fix it with wine. Wine fixes everything. Wine fixes everything. Oh, it's in the closet. I heard closet door. <laughs> Oh, okay. Is one it, second. Okay. Oh god. Uh, one second. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Open your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh my god! I love it. This is hilarious. <laughs> so let me um, explain to our dear listeners what is sitting. It's incredible. Um, Adrian has gifted me with a magnum <laughs> of the rosé that I bought for this episode. <laughs> Which is great because it's really good, so now I have so much of it. Yay! <laughs> you have a party pack. Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> Rezaball! Just Rezaball. like Miraval. Yeah. <laughs> Female. Female. I'm giving you a very tall female. This is a big female body. This is a big female. <laughs> and it's got a great ball. I love it. Thank you. In You're addition welcome. to my delicious Pinot Gris from Alsace. Yeah. So now you don't have to feel sad once we finish this. Like we. I'm assuming there. Wow. <laughs> once this um, smaller bottle of. We can, we can finish that today. <laughs> It's only, uh, what's that time? 
Chocolate Primo, which is the white in the bottom, not because it's bad, just because it's like it was kind of the least exciting, exciting out of all. Yeah, out of all of them. So I'm gonna get some of this Albarino in my, my glass. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Sorry. I guess I just volunteered to go first. <laughs> Please do. I think I've gone first the last couple <clears throat> times. Okay. Okay. Oh, Hi. Yes. There's seven things that you would do with your. Grand Bazan Etiquette Verde Albarino 2019. I would go do some abandoned place photography at um, uh, ITT Technical Institute. <laughs> the ghosts roaming those halls. <laughs> the ghosts roaming the halls of the ITT. Um, and just any other defunct tech college. From the 90s. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and then I would submit my photos to Vice. Because <gasps> Vice loves that shit. They do fucking love that shit. <laughs> One. <laughs> um, I'm going to make some uh, curtains Ooh. out of t shirt curtains. T shirt curtains. I just said that because those are the two things I so dusty. <laughs> You know what? You can either make your your uh, old t-shirts into pillows or quilts. Why not curtains? I think it's a great. I mean, honestly, I think it's a great repurposing, especially as I get older. I mean, I have an ass ton of t-shirts, but yeah. I'm, I'm crippled with this like aging problem where I'm just like, is it appropriate for me to wear t-shirts as a person of this age? Which I'm not. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do with these one day? Anyway, long sidebar. Two! Dos! <laughs> um, <clears throat> I am, I'm just going to attempt to try to get into soccer. Okay, sure. <laughs> you could go kick the ball around with Michael a little bit. I mean, yeah, you know, I used to play soccer. I, I like playing it. I, again, it's got the same appeal as basketball to me, which is just moving a ball. For what? I'm so sorry. I'm offending all of the world right now who loves fucking soccer. <laughs> it's okay, guys. <laughs> We're not sports people, and that's okay. That's okay. It's very acceptable. Very acceptable. Um. I want to go to a, um, uh, like a reenactment village where you like, uh, dip candles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go yeah. like dip candles. Yeah. 
candles and a reenactment, like, like not uh, yeah, like colonial, not colonial, uh, yeah, colonial yeah. New England. Yeah, yeah. Reenactment yeah. village, dip some candles. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> I want to make a turducken. I think I have made, I have said I want to make a turducken before in Seven Things. So let's make a turducken and get that Crianza Magnum. Yes! That would be the thing to go with a turducken. Oh my god, this oh my is going to be a big deal. I normally, don't, I normally don't get down on duck, but I will, I will usually. I'm okay with turkey. I'm okay with, wait, turducken. Yeah. I'm okay with everything but the duck in that situation. I just don't like a big chunk of duck. It's like a little bit of duck. It's, I don't know. it's so oily. It's so oily. It's so oily. And I think ducks are really cute. I do I too. really love ducks. Same reason I can't eat rabbit. I, yeah, also rabbit's so oh, lean. Or quail. God, why? The quail is delicious. Mmm. And then lamb is, you know, I'm traumatized by lamb, so I just can't ever eat it ever again. <laughs> Turducken, five. Five, yes, sorry. Thanks for getting no, back on no, no. Um, I want to <clears throat> uh, write a sonnet. I think I've said this before, Ooh. but like a sonnet, like very specific uh, to, my, to my dog. I was going to write a sonnet. sonnet. I mean, I sing him so many little songs. Songs anyway. So yeah. you might as well, yeah, make it into a full Shakespearean sonnet. And like, oh, and that brings me to my next seven things, because I'm going to learn how to write properly with a quill and a Damn! <laughs> And I shall sign my name at the end of everything. I can just see you being like, wait, hold on. I must pull out my quill set. Get my wax sealed. Shut it up. <laughs> so you're going to make candles, do sonnet, wax seal. You're just going to go back to Elizabethan. Yeah, time. I went, I got real Elizabethan towards the <laughs> Six and seven. Seven things. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I'm never going to be able to top uh Building a grave to threaten people with. That's that you know, was a really good one. I feel like that was like that my was pinnacle. a really dark one. <laughs> it was so dark, but also my pinnacle. It's like my height. This that was my peak seven thing. Peak seven thing. <laughs> Adrian. All right. I think I. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. I think I'm gonna start with this Rezaval Chocoli Rosé. It it's was, gonna be my number one. Here. Really liked it. Hit me with that too. Liked that feminine female body. body. <laughs> I the bright pink. What did you when you saw me pull that out? <laughs> were you like I was like, good, hopefully she likes it. <laughs> okay. I was like, please, please, please. <laughs> um I was like, that better not be a bad one. <laughs> Oh, uh, um, no, it's a good one. It's a good one. I would say I love this this petalant. Mm -hmm. um, I just love the like kind of zesty like pickliness of it. I, I guess I was influenced by the description. I'm gonna go with that as two. Uh, my third's gonna be the Albarino. Let's say my fourth's gonna be the Verdejo, and then um, yeah, same thing. The bottom that that Chocoli Blanco. Yeah, because it was good. I would drink it. I would be happy if somebody put it in my glass. You Let's try pouring it from a really high height after this oh. and see if we can get some video. Let's do it. And you know what I just thought of the perfect food to kind of have with this? I actually really want like Hawaiian food. 
Because it's like that, the creamy, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, Hawaiian Mac salad is so good. It's mm-hmm. bad for you. That Hawaiian Mac salad with like the teriyaki chicken would just be like. That would be really good with that. Let's anyway. order some Hawaiian lunch. Oh my God. <laughs> we should. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adrian. All right. Seven things you would do while drinking the Rezabal Chocolate Rosé. Hmm. I guess I'd start by going into the field, field of fresh native wildflowers, and I'd pick them and I'd make them into a crown. How Bonnaroo of you! with. <laughs> so you want to become like a, a not an apothecary. I'm going to, herbsmith? Or an herbsmith. I'm going to say, I'm just going to go with this, where this train is taking me. I'm going to get real into Wiccan culture. Yes! <laughs> Cast a spell. Cast some spells. <laughs> Buy some candles from your uh, colonial <laughs> reenactment village. Reenactment it's all coming full circle. I like how our seven things are weaving together now. Oh, yeah. Fucking love bats. 
Be careful. They're zoonotic. They are zoonotic disease carriers. <laughs> they are? Oh, oh shit. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, we went out to the side tangent. We went out to the bluffs the other night and um, watched the sunset and all the bats came out and I saw this like giant like lunar moth like flying around. It was just a giant moth. Oh, I could see it. It was so big. I mean, it was very far away. And you could see the bat like just circling and trying to dive bomb it and then it grabbed it out of midair and ate it and it was epic. That would be very cool to witness. It was very cool. I'm on the bat side. I'm on the bat side too. Those moths are fucking gross. <laughs> They're so gross. <laughs> the noises they make. Oh, they're dumb. They're really dumb. They're going on anyway. <laughs> Six and yeah. um, oh, I gotta make my seventh thing. Pretty epic on this journey. Heirloom bean, <laughs> flower crown wearing, Wiccan culture. Um, it's a very alternative lifestyle you're living. Alternative. Like, I guess I gotta. I gotta go to you know the the place with the funny trees. Joshua? Joshua. <laughs> the place with the funny trees. They should rebrand. They should rebrand. They should rebrand. <laughs> do a, I'll do a, a, like an open, no tent camping night. Sleeping under the stars. It's very warm. Cowboy camping. Cowboy camping. <laughs> Joshua tree. Very buggy. Good yeah. seven. Seven things. Seven things. Cheers to your Cheers. upcoming alternative lifestyle. Thank you. I'll invite the beanery? You. The beanery. I think that's great. great. I think um, I'll invite you to uh, my my soft opening. I would love to come to the soft gosh. opening of the beanery. for tuning in to uh, another episode of Bottle Blonde. Next up, we'll be heading into fall and um, be, as per last episode, uh, to just build the anticipation, be talking about some California Zinfandel. Yeah! So very excited for that. Very excited. Um, We haven't really talked a whole bunch about domestic wines. We've done a couple episodes here and there, but we've really ignored California and we've ignored California. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm just gonna put this out there, Adrian. I think we definitely have been ignoring uh, Portugal. Oh, very yeah. good. I think we have as well. <laughs> I think we need to make a couple more trips, <laughs> fill our sacks with beans, and hit the road. Turn into a hobbit. Ha <laughs> ha